freedivers can be divided into groups. Let's say one of them believe in science and physiology mm -hmm. and another people will believe in like spirituality and like those kind of hippie stuff. I tend to hold on to both groups because probably I'm not alone. Probably there is a mix and it shouldn't be like such a straight split. But mm -hmm. of course, as in any spectrum, there are like extremes and there is a middle. Yeah. So I believe that whatever spiritual experiences we have during freediving, they're based on physiology. And I believe that our physiology supports the spiritual experiences. I'm not sure we will ever in foreseeing future be able to separate those and tell which is like if spirituality is actual crap or is this a real thing yeah. <laughs> or the physiology is just all what we have, like just hormones. Lack of oxygen or something. Yeah, like, just, yeah, come on, dude, what are you talking? It's yeah. your brain is hypoxic. That's it. Like, no, no, no spirits in there. This is the Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Today's episode features a real-life mermaid. Natalia Zarkova is a world-record-breaking freediver and five-time world champion. But she didn't find freediving. Freediving found her. I first met Natalia in 2021 when I worked with the team at Deep Dive Dubai. I took an introductory free dive lesson with her. Yes, you too can train with this phenomenal athlete right here in Dubai. What struck me about free diving at the time is the slow and graceful athleticism that free divers need to be successful in their sport. As you'll hear in Natalia's discussion with Dawn, her accomplishments in the free diving world came quite naturally. Among those accomplishments are five world championships and six world records. She is one of only two women in history to free dive the arch of the blue hole in the Red Sea with only a monofin. She is also the seventh woman in the world to reach a depth of 100 meters in a single breath. 102 meters, in fact. Her longest breath hold? Six minutes and 23 seconds. In the context of hustle culture and what can sometimes be a toxic focus on achievement in sport, this discussion with Natalia challenges perceptions of success. We chat through her upbringing in the Ukraine, her start in swimming, the power of the mind in freediving, and what it takes to slow down both in the water and outside of it. We also chat through how Natalia sees freediving as a sport of hope and a sport of the future. We hope you enjoyed the episode. So welcome to the podcast. The Thanks for inviting me. No, we're super happy to have you. Well, I'm super happy I'm doing this alone today. But the last time I saw you, I think it was a year ago now, where you were teaching me to free dive. <laughs> yeah, something about that time when uh, Deep Dive Dubai just opened. Yeah. And we met there and um, I was giving you introduction. Yeah, I know. And I wish I had the time to kind of continue on with it. And I don't think I'm very good at it. I think you're a great teacher, but I think I'm probably pretty buoyant. <laughs> well, what I believe is that if you're a good teacher, you can teach anyone. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we just need some more time. Need more time. Exactly. When I was working with you guys at Deep Dive Dubai, I just remember thinking initially about the free diving in particular, because scuba, you know, I've, I've done some scuba diving, but free diving really, really fascinated me because it looked, I mean, number one, so graceful <laughs> and peaceful 
And also when I think of it compared to scuba, which has, you know, a lot of equipment and a lot of things around it, it looks really minimalist, which kind of, I guess, appeals to me in a lot of ways. What is free diving? Because I know there's like different classifications, there's different types. So can you just kind of give us a little overview of free diving? Free diving for dummies. Okay. <laughs> free diving for dummies. Free diving 101. So it all starts with the fact that free diving is any kind of free diving is when you go on the breath fold under water. Like when you immerse, let's put it this way, your face. You don't even need to go all <laughs> underwater yeah. for some kind of free diving. That could be just it. And that kind of free diving is called static apnea. So it's a pure breath hold where a person doesn't even need to go like deep or far or anything. It's uh, one type of free diving, which is pursuing the idea of long breath hold. Mm -hmm. Most of other types, right, of free diving, they're more about where where do you get with your breath hold. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the main difference. It's a breath hold, it's in the water. Uh, it involves a lot of breath work, a lot of mental work. And this is one of the reasons I believe why free diving starts to gain popularity these days. That's something what we are human beings in stressed, rushed world uh, very much looking for is to master our state of mind and be the owners of our mental health. So it's hard to say what is a side effect or what's the real purpose of freediving, but you could uh, define probably like three different ways of how it can be done. So it could be something what we would call recreational freediving. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an activity where you go, let's say here in Dubai, we go into deep dive Dubai and we practice like uh, if you would go to yoga class. Mm -hmm. a couple of times a week or maybe once a week, something like that. And it just keeps you entertained, gives you some level of activity, very gentle one because it's in the water. It's very nice to your body. You're, don't, you're not experiencing any like stretch or tension. There is a like adventurous freediving, I would call it that way. So mm -hmm. it's more about people going diving with a big or not so big animals, like with whales, with uh, sea lions and such just sightseeing different like uh, rocks and coral reefs, those kind of things. So it's mm -hmm. more like advanced snorkeling, I would say so. But of course, sometimes if you want to dive with a whale, that advanced part gets so advanced that like you just don't dare to call it snorkeling yeah. anymore. And it's definitely free diving. And there is a part of uh, competitive free diving, extreme free diving. And that one I'm a representative of. I dipped myself a little bit in all of them. Mm -hmm. But in a competitive free diving, that's where I became like a free diver. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I identified myself. Competitive free diving is a relatively small part of all the free diving world because there are just a few, <laughs> relatively few people who decide to dedicate the, the, their life to this kind of thing. And um, just before we started to, to record, I wanted to find a real quote, like how did it go? So it was a saying, I believe, of Pierre de Coubertin, who said something like, because I couldn't find the actual quote, but the idea he presented was that the sports, like Olympic sports, are, the, are there to promote a healthy lifestyle for the masses. Mm -hmm paying the price of health of few. Uh, so I, I don't mean to say that freediving is not healthy in the, this extreme and sport level, but what I mean to say that extreme freediving 
it's just something what we are doing for promotion of the popular sport like of adventurous freediving of uh, recreational freediving because of course when somebody dives to a depth of 100 meter on a breath hold of course that's breathtaking even if you're sitting and reading it in a newspaper yeah like if you're not diving yourself so you've done static apnea i think you held your breath for six minutes and 23 seconds as well, your yeah, originally hold. I'm coming from pool freediving. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe another classification we could give. There are freediving disciplines what can be done in the pool and there are freediving disciplines that can be done in the sea. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about that competitive freediving and actually recreational too. So yeah, I'm coming uh, from Ukraine where the sea, we had sea back then, but I'm um, from Kharkiv, from the city which is 800 kilometers away from the sea. And I used to be a swimmer, so I I was spending like a lot of time in the pool. And uh, I started my freediving journey in the pool. That's where I met my first coach. And yeah, so back then, 2000, what was it? 10, 8, 2008, 9, 10, like those years, Mm -hmm. I was doing freediving in the pool. And that's where I was practicing static breath hold and like diving with the monofin and distance. But then in 2010, occasionally I happened to be in the hub for a week. I left and I decided I'm going to come back. I came back in 2011 and I left in 2019. <laughs> like, so I kind of like stuck in the sea, in the blue hole. The arch was calling. Yeah. So just taking a step back, because I've noticed like a lot of free divers come from countries, which I would classify as historically quite cold. <laughs> Being Canadian, I, you know, through my research or whatever, I haven't come across any Canadian free divers. And where I'm from, you know, in the, an island in the North Atlantic, we kind of stay out of the ocean because well, it's, yeah. it's cold <laughs> and it's dangerous. So talk me through kind of you starting in swimming like were you from a sporty family were you always encouraged because you started swimming i believe at the age of seven is that correct and seven to 17 Mm -hmm. which kind of led into freediving so kind of talk me through entry into sport like my story is quite typical for for the country i'm coming from for ukraine for post-ussr country uh, in the age of about six years old i believe um like somebody in a medical checkup, well, preschool checkup or something like that, noticed that like my shoulders maybe not even, and I say, hey, like maybe give her a like strong back and send her to gymnastics or to the swimming pool, something like that. My parents could tell this story quite better, mm. but that's how I remember it. So I started to go to the swimming classes like kind of a couple of times a week, just like to be healthy and fit. And so just like physical education, basically development of a young body but then something happened and um, I remember that I was in the second year of school elementary school and I didn't want to participate in anything what was happening in the school because I was always saying no I gotta go swimming like Mm -hmm. I can't stay after school for like a choir or for a play because like I'm swimming so apparently that somehow just got into me and without actually even knowing knowing it I got into swimming and I really loved it and I swam happily until basically 17 years old and then uh, then life took different course <laughs> and were you on the national swimming team is that yes, correct, correct. Mm-hmm. wow okay and you competed so you competed on behalf of Ukraine in swimming oh well yeah I didn't enter that age category in that stage where I would go like to Olympics or something but mm-hmm. just like before then yeah we like I participated in like few major international 
uh, championships for Ukraine. So how did the switch to free dive happen? Because it happened at around 19? Mm -hmm. Well, 17 years old. The It's still teen, right? Mm -hmm. So the hormones were like all over the place. And one day after competition in swimming, when I, uh, I it wasn't the best competition, my performance was quite low. We got into some argument with my coach, like my trainer. I remember I slammed the door of the swimming pool and I left saying like, I've never, like never <laughs> ever, I will step my foot into the swimming pool again, period. For two years, I was catching up with all the team stuff. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I got into like, I, I into like heavy metal music and like going to rock concerts and like all those kind of things and then somehow i decided that i want to be an architect mm -hmm. and because my background had nothing arty in there uh, i failed my first year of entry exams to architectural school so i started to look around how to get myself busy mm -hmm. over the summertime as i'm uh, or waiting for the next year and i got into the pool as a lifeguard and I saw like weirdly looking black dark people with long fins crawling on the bottom awfully long and I'm like dude what are you doing <laughs> do, you, do I need to jump in and save well, them yeah <laughs> what, what's down time? <laughs> and uh, a person who happened to be later a coach like the coach mm -hmm. who became my first coach he just like immersed and gave me the long fins and said ah you try okay and the way I like to say it, that I put those fins on and I still wear them yeah <laughs> like, I'm always. still there so he just got me hooked and I, I just like noticed people doing something interesting and I got uh, of course it worked very well for me from the very beginning considering mm -hmm. all the swimming background and how much I was feeling comfortable in the water but most importantly that's up person after five years of psychotherapy talking I believe it wasn't just like a comfortable secure space because I knew okay if I will do this I will be doing good I'm not wasting my life it's like it's like amazing setting like get the records keep going you will be a like good person it, it was giving me the sense of life the purpose. meaning the purpose yeah mm -hmm. i read somewhere that your first competition was a year after you started yeah. free diving mm. so what was that first year like and when did you make that decision to say oh well i'm actually gonna go not recreational not adventure i want to go to the extreme level and start competing <laughs> so the coach who got me into this uh i believe he had that idea oh since the day one <laughs> you didn't know like, i you didn't, didn't know, know. like for, for a long time I, I didn't even like for, for the first time like in the beginning i'm sure i didn't even know what i'm actually doing yeah like, like, i didn't know it was called free diving i don't have that romantic story like some people have about like oh i watched the movie big blue or like i wanted to be a mermaid or i wanted to free dive with whales or like something like that no i don't i don't know like i was basically taken <laughs> into free diving i'm saying i didn't find free diving free diving found me mm -hmm. yeah so in 2007 i believe it was the first year when free diving f association not even federation in that moment uh appeared in ukraine so, so like some group of enthusiasts they just like brought ida and established ida ukraine mm -hmm. and 2008 was the year when it was the second ever free diving competition in ukraine and that's where we entered and i got the national record oh wow well okay who's leaving the, the competition <laughs> or the sport where on this like on your first competition you're getting the world record and of course again i got hooked on success and it was quite simple. There was not so much 
actual competition in there. So yeah, I kept rolling and I believe I till last year, I think I didn't even realize that with all the skills I got, I never made it like to see things, you know, Mm -hmm. all things what I ever saw were my visions at the depth of 100 meters and outside of a body experience. That's it. Right. But no whales, like, okay, arch is also there. But people travel around the world using, applying it. And that's what I'm looking for now. Now I'm I'm thinking to actually travel around and see what I can do with this. (laughs) We'll get into that because I absolutely want to learn more because I think that's quite similar for a lot of people. It's like you're focused on a goal and it's Mm. always kind of on this hamster wheel of like, what's the next goal? What's the next goal? And then you're like, wait a minute, am I actually enjoying this anymore? And yeah, at some moment you start to slow down and think, okay, I'm in the wheel actually. Like it was like, you felt good, but at some point you start to notice what is actually surrounding you. And then you slow down, slow down, slow down. And at some moment you decide, okay, exhale, move aside, step out of the wheel and start looking at it and thinking like, okay, where am I? What's happening? What am I doing? Yeah. That's basically where I am now. (laughs) Well, I want to hear all about your plans coming up. I guess just going back, because I feel like we have to discuss these world championships because it's just phenomenal. Like you started your first freedom championship and you got a national record. Then you moved into competing on the world stage as well. Mm -hmm. And so every year from 2017 to 2021, bar 2020, which was there a competition in 2020 because of COVID or no? I don't remember, to be honest. I know there was at least one competition, but it was like a European championship. And just because there are still were people who were able to compete yeah, and yeah, they yeah. wanted to compete somewhere. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. that year, like everyone deserves a hall pass Something. for that year. <laughs> <laughs> so 2017, like you were the winner of the freediving world championship. Was that with a monofin or a bifin? So the disciplines I've set, the world records and now won the championships were bifins and no fins. Right. Like 2021, I won with free immersion, which free immersion is the is... pulling the line on your arms, right. like coming up Got and it. down, using your propulsion of your arms. But my kind of, how you call it, best disciplines, I would, uh, no, fin, uh, no fins and bifins. No fins coming, uh, actually bifins, I believe the same. It just all comes from the advantage, uh, what I got from being a swimmer, mm-hmm. because those are techniques, what you learn in swimming and when you've been doing this moves since the age of seven it's really hard for someone to overcome you and beat you in that side so 2017 what was the road then from the national championships that you set the world record 2017 mm. and you're winning your first world championship what was mm. like where were you living what was training like so as i briefly mentioned already 2011, I came to Dahab. Dahab in Egypt. In Egypt. uh, And as it happens quite often with people, uh, I kind of forgot to use my return ticket. (laughs) And uh, I stayed there for the first three months. And then um, it's a little foggy right now, but I I believe I I still was like in the university. I still was graduating. I entered that like. I managed to enter the architecture university later on. And you graduated. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I graduated <laughs> even like... Between free diving. Pre, 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 uh, with, with this, even some sort of diplomas. And like both my bachelor and master's were about deep pools, yeah. funny enough, <laughs> like about free diving. Yeah, so I believe I still was combining. So I would like to spend um, like a month or two in the hub, then go back, pass the exams, do the curriculums, and then come back. 
and dive deep and blue hole. And I feel like that was a time when I was kind of like incubating, you know, or something, because I was like so uh, focused on the dive and freediving was giving me purpose still. And I felt like not freediving per se, but like my achievement was so important for me that mm-hmm. like I, I didn't even think about anything else around around me uh, in the life that was like my world was the line and the blue hole that's it mm-hmm. and uh that's pretty much how it was going till 2017 and then to like up and down different situations uh different life changes but the one thing was staying stable i'm a free diver i'm going for the world record i'm gonna dive 100 meter fun fact that i actually never ever spelled it out like that back then what did you i was always saying i'm doing my best like i'll do whatever i'm gonna do like i'll do whatever whatever i will be able to do and i never had a goal like i never woke up in the morning before going to training looking into a mirror and saying you girl you're gonna do it you're gonna have a no never it was just like i don't want to put much pressure on myself Mm -hmm. i just like i'm just enjoying it and i know I kind of like felt it right there and not like un- without knowing it that if I will push, I will not achieve it. So mm-hmm. kind of finding this balance and this picture of perfect balance for me is the picture of Picasso girl on the ball. And like every time when I would fi- need to find my state of mind before the dive or finding the right answer for how deep I should go, what happens in the competition you need to announce. I would find myself, I would imagine myself in that perfect balanced state. When you're present, but you're not tensed, you must not hold the shape, you must adapt to whatever is around you. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's how I got my world records. <laughs> With your coaching, is that something that somebody guides you through as well? Like, I, because I know when we were, you know, that one lesson I have, you were focusing a lot on breath work. Like, how do you get into that mind space? Because, you know, you and I were just chatting before. And part of this, what fascinates me so much is because, you know, we're in such a time where everything is like, push, push, push and go, go, go. And even, you know, sometimes I think it's quite toxic with sports and athletics, like really going beyond limits, which is, I think, you know, people should push themselves in some ways, but it's you know, some point to the point where it's detrimental to the individual and free diving just seems like everything just has to be slow and still and mindful. And it's so contrary to a lot of things that sports represent right now. So how do you train yourself to do that? Or how do you have any tricks or like a mantra when you're diving? So there are few ways to explain how it works. Unfortunately, until this moment, none of those can be confirmed with statistics or actual research or actual facts. It's more, whatever I'm going to say further, it's an experience what I've collected from different people talking to different athletes. It's a combination of my personal experience, Mm -hmm. experience of my students, because it's still challenging to measure anything underwater on the breath hold. Mm -hmm. However, in deep dive, we're looking to that, to setting that uh, kind of uh, center where it will be possible. So freedivers can be divided into groups. Let's say one of them believe in science and physiology mm-hmm. and another people will believe in like spirituality and like those kind of hippie stuff. 
I tend to hold on to both groups because probably I'm not alone. Probably there is a mix and it shouldn't be like such a straight split. But of mm -hmm. course, as in any spectrum, there are like extremes and there is a middle. Yeah. So I believe that whatever spiritual experiences we have during freediving, they're based on physiology. And I believe that our physiology supports the spiritual experiences. I'm not sure we will ever in foreseeing future be able to separate those and tell which is like if spirituality is actual crap or is this a real thing yeah. <laughs> or the physiology is just all what we have, like just hormones. Lack of oxygen or something. Yeah, like, just, yeah, come on, dude, what are you talking? It's yeah. your brain is hypoxic. That's it. Like no, no, no spirits in there. <laughs> But I'm open to any possibilities, to be mm -hmm. fair, to be honest. And um, so when you're practicing uh, breath hold, your mind tends to switch between active and passive states. So your mind would be switching between active and passive states. And whenever you're in a passive state of mind, that's something what people call awareness, right? Because when you're active, you tend to focus on one thing and your focus usually is so strong that you you are not able to notice what surrounds you. Just try to remember some experience when you were in pain, I mean, tooth pain, like, I don't know, uh, ear, something like cut. You're usually so focused on that, that this focus exaggerates this, mm -hmm. right? And you feel it more strong that is actually hurting you just because you're like all your intention in there. But if you switch to something, even sometimes you have migraine, but you're talking on the phone to a friend and it feels like migraine is like way less mm -hmm. because your focus is changed, right? It, it shifts away. So with the urge to breathe, it could be quite similar. If you are there holding your breath and all what you're thinking about is like, I'm holding my breath, that will give you anxiety in your body will be like saving itself kind of in the terms because it's not so natural to not breathe long. Mm -hmm. But should you master the something was called deconcentration when you dissolve your attention within your own body and even further, that urge to breathe becomes less intense. What is important is not to overdo it because uh, quite often, actually even among instructors it's popular to think that you need to kind of repeat that breath hold many times and force yourself through uncomfortable sensation and you will kind of get used to it mm -hmm. but that's um, not exactly how it works you gotta experience a little bit not to scare your brain as i tell my students imagine that your brain is a little puppy and you gotta explain him and teach him what it, or her or it it you gotta teach it what is good and what is bad so if you will force and make it suffer every time it will not want to perform this task anytime like next time but if you apply positive reinforcement and if you let it uh, enjoy it and give it a little bit with enjoy like with joy it will be developing itself into the direction where this task can be performed more and better because naturally we like in the perspective of years a million years the evolution took us the way where we survive and what is good for us right mm -hmm. so even with a short perspective of a lifetime and with a freediving experience 
we gotta if we want to evolve we're gonna make it nice mm-hmm. and like easy and affordable we should not overdo it if you train yourself your brain nicely mm-hmm. with the care and positive reinforcements and supporting the positive experiences your brain takes your body into this passive state of mind and drops down the alertness because it's learning from every breath hold to next breath hold that breath hold is good and it forms kind of like secure attachment with the owner Mm -hmm. so the breathing will be there i know it's safe space it will be all right there is no need to force all those adrenaline and noradrenaline to bloodstream so actually through the times of training you stop experiencing anxiety with a breath hold mm-hmm. the side of spiritual spirituality is like i'm not i'm not gonna go into that and explain it because i'm probably not that spiritual person but like many people yes talking about the outside of a body experience because this deconcentration technique it teaches you to feel kind of the surrounding around you mm-hmm. and the breathing as a practice uh, tends to um like uh, make your energy flow you know like through the mula bana dhyana bana like all those kind of parts of your body chakras breathing (laughs) like whatever you name it there are so many different perceptions on on that side of things so yeah i tend to believe in those but i don't preach those right i'm more on the side of like, kind of if people want to discover it through their yeah, own because practice. if you come to me and you ask me to teach me that outside of a body experience mm-hmm. well how exactly do i you can't teach that <laughs> yeah like I'm, I'm not sure i can like i'm not a spiritual teacher i'm not sure like i can teach you through free diving how to leave your body and connect to the outer space mm-hmm. but i definitely can teach you how to get into the state of awareness and passive state and how to make your parasympathic like prevail mm over your sympathetic system essentially that's what yoga spiritual practices yeah. do they they make you they, they give you the same effect and that somehow a state of mind where you connect with a higher power so using this method you know mm-hmm. and kind of discovery and practice when you're living in dahab you dived through the arch of the blue hole and you were one of two women if that correct to do it on a monofin there are few people who mm. dove through the arch. And before, sorry, before we go into it, we should probably explain mm. what the arch is. Mm. Because I think if you just do a quick Google, you'll see world's most dangerous diving yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but from your perspective, and just so our listeners are, what is the, the blue arch in Dahab in Egypt? Uh, so the arch in, of uh, Dahabian blue hole is the hole in the shape of arch. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, mm-hmm. at the depth of about, <laughs> of the depth about fifty five, fifty six meters, mm-hmm. where the like the top of it starts and it goes like thirty meters across the coral coral reef, and opens uh, like in the sea, like mm-hmm. in the ocean. The blue hole itself is like a like a like a call it like a cup shape, mm-hmm. and the coral goes like ninety something ninety six meters deep. Mm-hmm. So on one side of that cup, there is a, co- uh, the, a hole in form of the arch would cut to the open ocean. Mm-hmm. That arch was discovered by Jacques-Yves Cousteau uh, a while ago. I uh, can't really name the, the, the date, but uh, I believe 70s. It's one of the most popular places, probably the most popular place for free diving around the world for the few reasons. 
uh, it's still quite deep for most of freedivers, mm-hmm. and it's super shallow, oh, super close, sorry, to the to the shore. Right. It, it's like 20 meters, and you so have 96 hitting... meters depth, and yeah. until a couple of years ago, it was even like free. Like, you don't need to pay to get there. You mm-hmm. just, so all the free divers who end up trying free diving instead of scuba diving because <laughs> it requires like less, in- <laughs> less, less investment. <laughs> yeah. They end up there. And yeah, so Blue Hole became so popular. And uh, that arch has a reputation, but mainly uh, thanks to scuba divers. Mm-hmm. And that happens to be because of, of course, irresponsible scuba divers. Those who decided that they can go through the arch, uh, well, without using proper un- safety measures, inappropriate gas blends, and like th- th- those are the mm-hmm. most popular scenarios as far as I'm aware. And um, for free divers, it it's it, it, we had to be completely transparent and honest. There is one uh, accident what mm-hmm. happened with free diver. Uh, we lost our friend Stephen Keenan back to 2017, I believe. Yeah, on another attempt of some other person freediving through the arch. Mm-hmm. Stephen was my safety diving organizer of my dive for the arch as well. We were diving through the arch together with my uh, friend and um, Ukrainian brother Alex Bubenchikov. He was also diving the arch that day. And to be fair, I just jumped on his like wagon saying hey you're diving i'm also diving <laughs> he's like don't steal my thunder but you're like, i'm Wait. like oh, come on <laughs> like, i guess to the, your earlier point it wasn't like you had set out to do this or it was like a long-standing dream it was like one day you woke up well and yeah like, i was oh. i was thinking like yeah that would be cool to dive through the arch and then uh, but i knew that to dive through the arch safely and i will feel all right diving through the arch once i reach the depth of 90 meters so like just along the line, I did somebody tell me that or did I figure out myself? I can't really remember right now, but mm-hmm. I, I had this idea that like I will feel confident diving through the arch when I can achieve, like when I can reach the depth of 90 meters along the line. Right. So that 2016, that was the year. That you reached 90 yeah. meters. Yeah. And I was like, ah, by the way, here's a Alex is, Alex is, uh, Alexander is diving. Oh, I'm going to do it with yeah. him. Why to? make people set it up twice and I just yeah. <laughs> jump jump in here yeah so i dove through the arch the, there are more people who dove through the arch it's just like a good excuse to like say a good number of just second woman you know yeah. and especially when you second after natalia Molchano, that's kind of was she the first <laughs> yeah she was yeah. the first technically yeah if to be nosy about it i don't want to say anna mm-hmm. but like <laughs> Yeah, so many people dove uh, something was called variable weight when you would use a weight to go down and then like leave the leave the weight and then swim on your own propulsion like through up. and up. Yeah, uh, there are people who dove with a scooter. There are like different options, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if anybody dove after me like that. But me and Natalia Mochanova would dove it on the monofin like all the way. How long did that take? I think the dive was uh, about two and a half minutes, maybe two minutes, 40 seconds, something like that. Right. Because there is a horizontal distance of 30 meters mm-hmm. at the depth of 55, you're getting a little bit like kind of narked and like that yep. kind of outside of a body experience when the arch is talking to you <laughs> and then like calm, like waves to you <laughs> and you swim into it and it's like, oh, like, um, I don't know, you know, like those, um, those, 
animations about like psychedelic yeah. <laughs> like, pictures and like you feel like oh wow i'm in one like, <laughs> and yeah. like the heart is sucking you in and like whoa <laughs> like, swimming swimming through and there was steve on the other side here like the so the, the way it was organized so one buoy with the line of 50 meter was inside the arch mm -hmm. like inside the blue hole and one was outside and there was a support team on the other side holding the buoy positioning it so the bottom weight which was hanging at the depth of about like 55 meters something like that maybe 60 would be like opposite the exit of the arch mm. so people did it like so many times that they already kind of know where it is yeah so i would dive inside the blue hole and the team of my buoy would be yelling the countdown to the team on the other side and then like steven would dive and by the time i exit the arch steve would be standing there at the bottom weight at 55 meters like making sure that yeah, i know where, where to swim and i'm ooh, okay dude <laughs> here like swim and we surface together yeah so he would be surfacing with me when you get to the surface after achieving something like that like what do you feel or like you take that first breath again <laughs> well yeah the first moment is like oh whoa i did it i'm here i, I didn't blink out oh wow okay nice and then uh, because you it's like really different experience whatever you felt in your life before you feel whoa like again please yeah. <laughs> one more time <laughs> Well, but I never got to repeat it yeah. uh, because uh, in 2017, the accident happened and they essentially just said it's forbidden. Is it forbidden now? Yes, for I'll free divers to dive through the arch. Mm. Oh, wow. So it's only for scuba divers. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned like going into the arch and, you know, having your support team and stuff there. And this is something I had wondered with free diving on the line, you know, going just straight down to the distance. I don't know if it's on the line. Uh, you know, I see on videos and stuff, mm. you're following a line. Well, and... yeah, at the competition, you always would yeah, be following, following a line. Recreational free diving. I mean, unless you're diving like, for wildlife and nature, mm -hmm. you will be always following diving on the line. line. When you're going down to those depths, and I was reading somewhere that you reach negative buoyancy. So mm. actually, like, you know, I say I'm super buoyant, but then you get to a point when you go so deep that gravity is pulling you down, correct? correct. Do you ever get confused, like, which way you're going? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting um, part of experience, mm. uh, the free fall. And for me as an instructor, it's uh, quite big fun <laughs> to see and introduce people to it because... <laughs> It is a little bit confusing in the beginning for uh, for the brain because you you kind of you're moving, you're descending without doing anything. Mm -hmm. So in your mind, it gotta be different. If you stop thinning, you stop moving, right? Mm -hmm. But you stop thinning, but you're still free falling, and that like gives you an anxiety a little bit in the beginning, thinking like I'm not controlling it. But mm -hmm. then you would free fall for a meter or two or three or four, like very little. And it, it's uh, it's on instructor at that point. We, we learn it at the second course. Yeah. So it's like in the very beginning of your journey. Like the so first, when I go back, I'll learn that. <laughs> well, first course, second course, yeah. third course, like right. three courses. A uh, different set of skills. And mm -hmm. um, in the first one, we don't learn it because it's still like, it's, it's already enough <laughs> to comprehend like with all the details. But in the second one, yes, we learn that free fall. And because in the first course, you were learning that you got to use your fins to get down. Mm -hmm. Now in the second one, you're learning that actually, no, <laughs> don't <laughs> stop at some point. Yeah. So you got to trust your instructor to set up a comfortable environment for that. And you, you would practice it. And... 
eventually you start to feel like, oh, I'm actually in control. And that line, uh, something was supposed to help you to get that control because you'd be attached to it with a, with a leash and the leash would have a carabiner on the other side, which will be stopped by a stopper mm-hmm. at the end of the line. So you would never fall deeper than the it's end of the safe. Line. Yeah. yeah. So like you always set the line, the depth you like it's comfortable for you. We never do it the way like, hey, there is the bottom. Mm-hmm. Let's see how deep you can go. No, we always like start with a little bit, like five meters, like three meters, five meters, seven meters. We build it up, uh, building your confidence because you got to be sure that you can come back. And there was a big change in the leap in freediving development as a sport back in, I believe it was 90s, when um, AIDA appeared, like AIDA International, and they said that, okay, we don't care how deep you go, we care from what depth you come back. Right. So that, that teeny tiny detail changed the sport completely. And now it wasn't important, like, I mean, it is still important, of course, how deep you can get, but you like it put in the perspective a consideration that you gotta be safe on mm-hmm. the way up because correct me if i'm wrong but just from memory when we were kind of initially talking about free diving like last year or whatever one of the most dangerous moments is bef- right before you surface right is that correct or no well it's most most unpredictable i would say right. could be unpredictable because there is a sudden drop of pressure mm-hmm and if at the depth of like 30 or 20 meters, your brain still feels high pressure of oxygen, which you have in your body. Mm-hmm. And that pressure, because it's transferred from the pressure of the water which surrounds you as you're coming up uh, to the surface, that pressure drops down and suddenly your brain feels, oh, okay, there's not so much oxygen actually, mm. like, and it shuts down, like a blackout. And um so blackout and free diving is, I, I just want to stop at this here and like mention that blackout and free diving is technically no different than uh, low sugar level blackout. Mm. So it's, it's biomechanically is like, oh, I'm not that an expert to say it's identical, but yeah. I remember watching the presentation of a person who is an expert and I believe she said it's like either identical, either like close to be identical. Mm. The difference what it, what comes to free diving is that we're in the water right so it's just about the drowning but that risk is always there when you go swimming so i just strongly encourage people <laughs> to be educated and don't think that free diving is dangerous because of breath hold mm-hmm. itself yeah. and i mean you have you know you always dive at least in a pair right well yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the first like the very first rule never push your boundaries mm-hmm. like don't go into the areas where you don't feel comfortable and the second rule, but not less important than the first one, is you always dive with trained body. Mm-hmm. So somebody, like two of you should be Similar on the same level. level and you should be able to provide the support to each other mm-hmm. within the depth you're diving. Yeah. Or you're with a professional, like if you're learning. Before we met today, I put it out to some people I know, like, oh, do you have any questions? <laughs> and I almost, I feel like, should I ask this or shouldn't I? Because we're on the topic of safety. And again, yeah, for people who don't know, and again, we had this conversation right before, you know, when you live and breathe something and train and you're, you have protocols in place, it doesn't feel like, you know, a risky endeavor. But of course, accidents do happen on occasion, like we're humans. Has there been a moment where you've done a dive and it's been like it didn't go to plan and you have felt afraid? 
Well, I had a couple of dives in the competition where I unfortunately blacked out. I don't remember feeling threatened. Mm. I remember just acknowledging the fact that like, all right, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first dive, I didn't know. I, I didn't see it coming. Happened uh, quick. Yeah, it was, I, I just wasn't aware. It was my first ever like blackout. And then with the second one, I was already, oh, okay. Like, I know these feelings. And I just show the signal. It was close to the surface. So I showed the signal to the safety divers around me, kind of like hijacking, you know, like, mm. can you lift me up? So, yeah, it was, uh, but I always felt safe. Yeah. Because I never, I never, till now, put myself in a situation where I don't have adequate support mm -hmm. and I don't feel comfortable diving in that condition. It's like, I wouldn't dive, I wouldn't do anything crazy if I don't feel there is somebody who can. Uh, to rescue in yeah. case of emergency. I think that's kind of a, you know, in the age of like Instagram and social media, people just see the end results, right? And they don't see all of the things that go into mm. the planning and the training and yes. all of the considerations to make that, this yeah, a safe I activity. It is very important to highlight that part too. So yeah, mm -hmm. like there are a lot of, like some, a lot of, I don't know, where is the line, <laughs> but there are influencers mm -hmm. and free divers, free diving influencers, and like in any kind of combination of those two words, who, who puts um, pictures and videos of them free diving out there, doing some crazy stuff without actually showing the safety mm -hmm. side of it. And I would, hey guys, if you're listening to me there, please <laughs> highlight that too. So people who are following you will yeah. understand it. I think it's super, super important. Yeah, this is one of my friends who's asking like, oh, she's afraid because I think that's it. You know, people just kind of see the end result. They don't see all of the stuff in the background. So you've got so many world championships <laughs> under your belt. I don't want to ask about all of them because like, I think we could probably have a an episode for each of those which one was most memorable for you so your last one was last year right the last one was 2021 well yeah you're right it would be hard <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to choose something because each of them were very special like for example the last one is very special because that's the last one before i took a break mm -hmm. so this year i consciously decided to step down and not to participate by number of reasons, the last one was memorable because it was the first one when I didn't have dedicated time for actual like training, training for myself the last because one. it was like the first year we just moved to Dubai mm. and the whole life was around settling in and uh, learning to live the life of a person with a job, you know, <laughs> like and actually like duties and like doing stuff instead of like living on the beach in Egypt yeah. and like not caring about much except uh, your personal goals. Yeah, so I still went there because uh where like, was it that it was it was in Kosh, Turkey, okay. one of the best places in the world Is like it? for free diving and like overall like people like are so so nice and it's just like so beautiful. It's very important where do you surface <laughs> like mm. after your dive? And Kosh is a nice place to surface too nice. after your trip underwater. Mm. Yeah, so because of all those 
things, it was very different for me. And it was essentially the year when I didn't feel so confident about what's going to happen because mm-hmm. I didn't have the proper like training, but I still was like focused and like... You, I mean, you were still overall super experienced though, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's something that doesn't go in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever you do before and an experience and like, so yeah, with experience, I managed to still to win. Uh, one uh, discipline, free immersion, which wasn't my, I wouldn't bet on it mm. uh, originally, like before the competition started. But then in the course of competition happened to be that like, yeah, that would be my best. And what is that free immersion? But just so far pulling the line, pulling, pulling the, line. the line with your arms up and down. Uh, so you're not kicking, you're not using your fence, you're, you're barefoot. And how far did you go on that dive? I think that was that that dive was something like 91 maybe meter. So, first of all, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But do they, the competitions, is it time or depth that you're measured on? In in those kind of competitions, you measure depth. So time doesn't really matter. Right. You can do it like super long or super fast. It's like your personal preference, like whatever, whatever you decide. It's your style. But we compete in the reached depth, in the depth you surfaced from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 91 meters. Mm, wow. Yeah. So you're taking a bit of a break now from competing. Correct. And do you miss it? Well, well yeah, terribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm still trying to figure out what kind of feelings do I have? Because mm-hmm. in some sort of, I understand that it could be just, how you call it? Crips? <laughs> when you, like, when you're, when you're hooked on something and then you don't have it. Yeah, withdrawals. <laughs> Maybe it's a withdrawal syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> or I actually miss it. Um, mm. This year is a year of reflection and uh, redefining myself, redefining the life, redefining the purpose of my freediving. Mm. Uh, at some point I was even questioning, like, is it my thing? Because like, if you guys listen to the story I told, I told before about how I got into freediving, there is a... Like I, there, it, it's a, it's fair, I believe, to give myself a doubt about I didn't choose it, right? It just happened you. to be in my life. But it's a such a journey I'm going through now with all the changes that happened in life recently. At this point, like here today, I'm not mm. sure it's gonna be the same tomorrow. But like here today, accepting myself that like yeah, like there is no doubt I'm a free diver. Like whatever other hobbies I have in life, they all. Go back, to go back to free diving. If I'm drawing, I'm drawing free diving. If I'm <laughs> if I'm stitching, like I'm I'm stitching waves and sea. Mm-hmm. If I'm dancing, I'm dancing about mermaids. Like it's all about it. But I guess it's just kind of redefining your relationship with it, right? Because I think competition is one thing, and it takes a lot of time out of your schedule and mentally, like a lot of space in your life, right? In all mm-hmm. different realms. But then. The adventure side of things, like, are you exploring that? Because that really appeals to me, you know. Yeah, personally. yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, to go dive with the, the whales and sharks and different, like, see different places. I'm definitely looking into it, but. Still uh, talking about missing competition. It's like incredible gang. Like the mm. people, people there are just. Oh my god, I'm just by the way. I'm so emotional. <laughs> no, I I mean on a smaller scale I can totally understand mm. because you know, especially if it's a sport that's not so widely practiced. I guess it and this is my perception looking out, it looks like quite a tight knit community of people. 
yeah, it's a very special set of people. And I think the biggest part of me redefining my relationship with uh, free diving would be to redefine my my relationship with competition, where mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's it's not a life or death match. It's um, like, I don't know, tic-tac-toe. <laughs> yeah. uh, or hide and seek, like th those kind of things. Um, yeah, so interacting with people and um, getting to know the ways and learning about people's experiences, lives, and just, um, yeah, just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I was, I actually was just thinking about this myself, like, life is wonderfully colorful you know mm. what i mean like when you yeah. just kind of open yourself up to new experiences you don't know kind of what's going to happen yeah when when <laughs> because you, you can look into the light in the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. right but then that light brightens up <laughs> and uh kind of flashes you and you don't see anything around yeah. so start to look around where would you like to go i guess now like free diving like if you're kind of you know taking a step back from competition is there anywhere you particularly have on your list that you're like i need to go well i have a place? few places so first is a kind of like a little bit of cheating <laughs> friends and family offer because my husband aaron yeah he leads expeditions in Micronesia. Okay. And uh, there is a place called Truck Lagoon, which is filled with bottle ships from the all sort of different range of depth. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really looking forward to go there. Uh, he did invite me a couple of times. We just never can like match the schedules. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm really looking forward to go there and dive and, and, and like make uh, pictures because like it, it has something, the rust, the sunken ships and like, the history too and like. the gracious free diver you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i hope to be gracious but by then still <laughs> no you, you are you are um yeah so then another place is maldives it's quite um, popular but that, that's maybe why it's on my list because like come on everybody done it and i haven't yeah. like i gotta go there and then i met this uh, uh people uh arzu asking a girl from turkey she is a rolex scholar tech diver and diver and cons um, con she's doing conservation she's into shark research is like incredible and her partner Jono who is dancing with the whales and like, of course that's the combination you're gonna tr like go somewhere with them yeah. right so I'm really looking to go into that trip Tonga Tonga yeah with the where the whales are found in large groups and like almost I'm not sure if it's like all year round but it's a popular like destination for that kind of thing well it so. sounds like there's some amazing adventures on the cards Ooh, yeah yeah and <laughs> get to, to you know maybe yeah look around and enjoy rather than be focused right like yeah. and kind of achieving something what attributes do you think make for a good free diver openness for sure <laughs> the thing is there is a, such a i believe in natural selection yeah here <laughs> like, not in terms like if you're not a good free diver you will die <laughs> like yeah. not literally but like it will just not stick yeah like it just won't feel right for you because mm. if you won't be flexible, if you won't be open, if you won't be adjusting attitude and willing to bend around your ways, what you learned from the life uh, you lived on land, once you step into the water, the water will just like kick you out, like go away. <laughs> like, you, you won't feel comfortable. What do you think um, free diving has taught you? Oh, I mean, it's still teaching. I'm not sure where this lesson is going. Mm. <laughs> so far, well, yeah, for sure, it keeps reminding me about it's not always about hard work. Sometimes it's about smart work. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I need to learn that. <laughs> yeah, well, being here in, in Dubai, I actually also forgot that for a yeah. moment. It just reminded me about this uh, recently. So, yeah, about feelings, like, let's put it this way. Free diving was there for me when I was discovering the feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, because being brought up in athletics, of course, you as a country, you would probably... Well, I don't know, like, who can relate to it out of the people who listen to us uh, today, but I will just say that nurturing feelings and feelings recognition or anything like that wasn't a top priority, like, not at all. Mm. Um, And it's actually the way to achieve anything in your life would be totally opposite. You would box it and shift to the darkest corner of your soul, your mind, Mm. and forget about it. So at some point of my life, I started to understand that that dark corner is filled with those boxes and mm-hmm. I gotta start opening them up. And um, free diving was there for me when it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, little journey on every dive and every breath hold, little death <laughs> of uh, some dark part of your body which eliminates itself when you surface and make a first inhale. Yeah, that what got me back to my feelings. <laughs> So now you're an instructor. That's where we met at Deep Dive Dubai. It must be really quite fun, though, seeing everyone explore and experience freediving, sometimes for the first time and sometimes, you know, over and over again. I have a first row seat to that that play. (laughs) Have you ever seen someone come in and they're like, whoa, they're really, really good. Like they could be like their first dive. Well, yeah, there were actually many people because... Freediving is quite natural. If you mm. think about it, it's more unnatural to breathe underwater. Like if you get a scuba and you dive underwater, like, can you remember your first scuba dive? Well, yes. And it was very difficult to wrap my head around the fact that I'm breathing underwater. So, yeah, all your sensations sending you a signal, you're in the water, girl. Like you cannot breathe. Like, yeah. You cannot breathe. And then like you forcing yourself, you're teaching yourself to do so. Uh, and then, yeah, and somehow because the fact you're breathing, it perceived more like safe mm-hmm. somehow in a way, but it's less natural. Yeah. So f- people are are designed and built to hold their breath in the water. The mm-hmm. matter of for how long is a matter of training. And yes, there are some capacities. Some are more uh, built for this. Some are less suitable, but. Everybody can train and develop it. It's like riding a bicycle. For mm-hmm. somebody will hop on and just ride it straightforward. Somebody will spend a week. Mm-hmm. Somebody will like spend a month. But then once you learn it, you can do it. It's about being decisive and dedicated. Consistent. And consistent, yeah. So usually the people who stand out uh, are the people with some uh, in-water background, like swimmers, mm-hmm. like um, some, but not all divers could be uh, better, like could have some advantage because they kind of already know underwater my environment. They mm-hmm. understand this like sensation of buoyancy or being not buoyant. So it's like less new to them. People who practice mindfulness in different sort of ways, like just recently I had... Um, I, I had a guy taking the first level course and he's like first breath hold was like three and a half minutes wow. at the surface, just laying down there. Uh, well, he's not yogi per se, but he's been practicing mindfulness as he mm. told me later, like explained uh, for the last like five or six years, something. So mm-hmm. he basically lives mindful life. 
So he is like very connected and aware about sensations in the body. So he tends not to like panic and get anxious if something is changing in his body because that's essentially our reaction, you know? I'm not breathing. It's just the matter of thinking about it makes me anxious. But then I start to feel that something is changing in my body. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> it's just like, it's like this and this thing. Like that's what's changing. So yeah, but didn't help him to go like easily deep. It mm -hmm. still took him practice to get deep. He eventually mastered it and he became good in diving deep. But pressure and equalization is a different matter than yeah. just attention. Yeah. So the pool at Deep Dive Dubai is 60 meters. How often do you go down? Well, actually, just recently, a couple of days ago, I caught myself thinking that oh, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. So last year when I was getting ready for the competition, I was diving to the bottom like three, four, five days a week. Mm -hmm. like, quite frequently now i didn't do it and i probably should but i was just taking a break from everything mm -hmm. like from competition from training uh, i was just focusing on teaching focusing on other people and uh, focusing on deep dive dubai operations and less on my personal training mm. so but the fact that idea already came to my mind means i'm ready to yeah. resume like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it like sometime wow. soon we ask all of our guests this question because of our name, the metal set, metal and grit. Do you think it's innate or do you think it's something that's developed? I think you're born with it. It just will be probably different for different people. Mm -hmm. I think everybody has it, but in a different levels. It's like a, it should be a spectrum probably, you mm -hmm. know. Somebody, I would say it's like... Um, Something like an attention, probably. Like mm -hmm. somebody is able to focus like fully for one second. Somebody is able to maintain it like for like 10 minutes. Somebody is able to turn it like on and off. Um, it's just like maybe we'll have different qualities, but as a trait, I believe everybody has it. Otherwise, we wouldn't make it as a species. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love learning all about free diving today. Mm -hmm. I'm, you're inspiring me to go back and <laughs> get more lessons when I have some time. I, my coach tells me I need to focus on one sport okay. <laughs> at a time. And free diving teaches you to focus. I know, <laughs> I know. I keep, I keep trying to negotiate with them like, oh, this is good for me, you know, because <laughs> it's like X, Y, Z. People can find you at Deep Dive Dubai yes, and yes. can take lessons with you, a world champion free diver, which is amazing. Yes, we're on courses, we're on experiences for newcomers. If you're not sure, you really want to get into it, you mm. can come and try two hours lesson, just like try out yeah. something called discovery. And all you need is be kind of like comfortable in the water. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be like great swimmer. You yeah. just need to be able to put your face underwater, that's it. And even if you can't do that at this point, but you're determined to yeah. do so, you're still welcome because freediving is a nice way to overcome the fear. Fears, uh, yeah. yeah. You'll overcome the fear in the world's deepest pool. It's so safe, like such an amazing facility and stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's a big pro to come and try it in our pool because out there in the sea, even though it's a nature, you know, that stuff but uh, nature can be like, yeah, intimidating <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent is there anything else to add about free diving that you'd like anyone to know i believe it's like the sport of the future mm -hmm. sort of because 
it has a huge aspect of mindfulness and mm-hmm. awareness and mental health. And that's where we're heading. We're heading it. Like, if we will not start practicing that, we will end up in a age of like despair, stress and anxiety, yeah. which we already on the verge of. And we can see it every day, if not in us, but in someone next to us. Yeah, for sure. So if we all adapt uh, free diving, mindfulness, and uh, breath work. I believe we have hope. And free diving is a great way to learn the world around you. I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank joining for us today. Yeah, I loved it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.